I have always been an animal lover. And all those TV shows about wildlife, animals in the wild and everything, I could watch them hour after hour. I never tire of seeing you know, movies or videos of animals working in the wild. But if you watch these programs, there's one thing we, that we discover right away that about these programs that kind of destroys a vision that you and I have about nature. When we look at nature scenes, we see beautiful, peaceful, bucolic scenes of mountains and lakes and all sorts of wonderful things, you know, you know, streams and all that stuff. And we say, oh, how lovely. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, how peaceful. But it's not that way for animals who live in the wild. Animals in the wild every day is literally a struggle for survival. Every time they go out to gather food for their children, they have to worry and be prepared and keep on the watch that they don't become prey for something else to feed their own children. And so every day they go out and they have to be alert. And even the predator who is stalking something else as its prey has to be careful because there may be another animal stalking it as his prey. And just as that animal is ready to go in for the kill, another animal grabs it and it becomes its prey and food for its children. And so every day in the wild for animals is a struggle for survival. And it's a sad thing sometimes to see when we look out and see, you know, a video of a lion killing a young gazelle, you know, and we say, oh, how sad it is to see that. But if the lion doesn't kill another animal, then its cubs will starve to death. So it's either kill or be killed in the animal world. So it's not something pleasant at all. You and I, for all of the difficulties we have in our lives, nothing is quite as bad as that. We don't live literally every day, kill or be killed. Any of you who are parents, for example, and send your children off to school, you don't have to worry that when you, when you send your children to school, some other parent out there will catch your kid and kill it and feed it to their own children you know, for lunch that day. Nor do you have to go out and kill somebody else's children for food for your kids. So we don't have that. It's not literally a struggle for survival each and every day. And although we may sometimes think so, it's more of a figurative survival mentality, but not a literal one. So we have it better than the animals in that. But with that understanding, we see the beautiful reading from the prophet Isaiah in our first reading today, when he talks about the, uh, the leopard will, will lay down with the calf and the wolf with the lamb and a child will play and place his hand on the adder's lair and there will be no harm on my holy mountain. All the wildlife living in harmony, nobody killing each other for food, everybody living together. And that vision, not only for the natural world, is also the vision for our human world. We suffer in different ways, maybe from the animals, but we suffer enough in our world, largely due to the sins of other people, for the evil and the harmful things that people say and do to us. And we long to be freed from that. The vision that we have from the prophet Isaiah is a vision of what will happen on the last day. When Jesus returns in glory and the new creation takes place and all of the dead are judged and those who are just will live in eternal life in a perfect new creation with no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrows, no more people doing harmful things to us, nothing, only absolute peace and beauty and perfection and happiness and joy for the rest of eternity. 
And so that is the promise that we long for as we pray, come Lord Jesus, during our Advent journey, is to pray for that day when finally there will be absolute peace, harmony, justice, joy, and beauty in our world. But does it mean that we have to only wait until that day to find any peace, any happiness? Well, of course not. Even here on earth, here and now, we can know some of that peace. And that peace comes to us simply when we follow the Lord, when we do what he commands of us. When we live the gospel the way he shows us to live, we will know that peace, that joy, that happiness that only he can give. And unfortunately, in a fallen world as we have, sometimes to know that peace and joy to follow the Lord is difficult for us. Because we have to differ from the people around us. We have to march to the beat of another drummer. We have to be countercultural. We have to go against the ways of the world. We have to espouse things that the world rejects and rejects things that the world espouses. And we have to change our minds. We have to change our thoughts. We have to change our actions. We have to change the very way we live. And for some people, that's a very difficult thing to do. And they don't want that. And they look to be... Uh, Free of that responsibility. And sometimes, one of the most frustrating things that any priest will tell you that he has Sunday after Sunday is the people who don't want to be challenged, who don't want to be told that, that there's sin going on and they have to change their lives. And sadly, there are people who only want to hear happy thoughts. They only want to hear platitudes and nice, sweet things. Just love one another and give to the poor and just be happy. Don't tell me I'm doing anything wrong. Don't tell me to change my life. Just make me feel good on Sunday. And sadly, of course, that is not the gospel of Jesus. Jesus did not come and take on flesh and dwell in our world to tell us, well, everything you've been doing is perfectly fine, so just keep doing it. No, he came for a radical change of our lives. And did not Jesus say, anyone who wishes to be my follower must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow in my footsteps? And that, of course, can be a painful thing. It means a total and complete change in our lives. As John the Baptist, who is our guide for today, and one of our big guides for the Advent journey, says today, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means a lot more than just go to confession and confess our sins. But rather, the word literally means think again. Re-examine everything you believe. Go back and look at everything you have, everything that is important to you, and think again. And see if it truly is what you should be espousing. That's what he told the people as he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For Christ was on the scene... And they were going to have to totally and completely change their lives. And that's what the followers of Jesus who did embrace him had to do. Totally, radically, completely change everything in their thoughts, their minds, their hearts, their actions, their deeds, their beliefs. They had to totally turn it upside down and start all over again with a brand new way of thinking. And that is the challenge of Jesus. And when we do that, when we actually accept Jesus and what he says, we find such a peace that only the world, that the world does not know, that only God can give. And sadly, as I mentioned, there are a lot of people who, in the world who don't want to see that. They just want to be told Sunday after Sunday that everything is fine and everything is wonderful and just continue as you're doing. You know, just love one another and, you know, take care of the poor. Not to say that we don't do that, but there's so much more to the gospel message than that, than the happy talk than the sweet nothings that we often would say. 
And in fact, when people would say everything is wonderful, everything is perfect, well, let's look at the world around us. Is it? Is the world wonderful? Is it perfect? Is it just the way it, we want it to be? Of course not. So how can we delude ourselves by saying, let's just go Sunday after Sunday and talk sweet talk and just be happy? If we want to change the world, we are the instruments of change. And we are the ones who have to change the world. And it means to change ourselves before we change the world. But sadly, as I've mentioned, you know, there are some people who don't want that. They only want sweet talk. On the complete opposite of that is our young people. And study after study, survey after survey of our young faithful Catholics, when we ask them what they want to hear from the church and homilies on Sunday and everything, the answer is always consistent. The answer they tell us is this. Don't dumb down the message. Stop giving us pious platitudes. Stop just giving us niceties, but challenge us to change, to be different so that we can change the world. Because we know that through Christ and his call, we are the instruments of change. We are the ones who are meant to go out and change the world around us. But we can't do that if we're not given the challenge to change, if we're not encouraged to go out and be better people than we are at the moment. So our young people are looking for that. And so with that understanding, you kind of see that every priest on Sunday morning when he preaches is bound to annoy somebody. If he preaches challenge and change, then the people who just want happiness, just want peace and, and um, all sorts of platitudes will be disappointed because they call that negative talk. They only want to hear happy things. You're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're happy. That's all they want to hear. So if we teach about change and growing, those people are upset. But if we go out and preach the platitudes that some people want, well, then the young people are saying, Father, you're failing us because we want to be challenged. Don't give us any more of these pious platitudes. We want the real meat and vegetables and potatoes of the gospel. We want to truly be challenged so that we can be better people and go out and make a difference and change this world that's in such a mess. And when it comes to the people looking for platitudes and people looking for challenge and change, such as the young people, to be perfectly honest with you, I have to side with the young people because that's what the gospel is. Jesus did not come to preach us platitudes. He didn't come and say, well, everything you've been doing up till now, just keep doing it because you're all fine and everything's wonderful. Just give each other a hug. You know, that's nice and that's sweet. But to be honest, that's Barney. And somehow I think God himself took flesh and dwelt in our world to teach us more than we can learn from a purple dinosaur. If Barney is the solution and the key to all happiness, what do we need Jesus for? And why are we here Sunday after Sunday? No, we're here to be nourished by the gospel of Christ that calls us to change. And I don't find that challenge to be better negative in any way. In fact, I find it quite positive because it's a gospel message where the Lord says, I love you enough not to leave you in mediocrity, not to leave you in just okayness, but to call you to be the best you can be. And one of my favorite images of that is imagine a baseball coach who has a bunch of kids on his team. And imagine if 
The baseball coach should do for his kids what some people want priests and the church to do for them. Just say to them, oh, you're all wonderful. You're all great baseball players. You're all just like Aaron Judge. So just go out there and have fun. Don't worry about getting better. Don't put yourself down by saying you can't hit well or you can't throw or, any, or you can't field. No, 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 no. Don't go do that into that negative to yourself. Just go out and tell yourself how wonderful you are. Well, if a coach does that, is the kid going to get any better? But rather, a coach, a coach who loves his students, the kids on his team, is going to encourage them and challenge them and help them know how good they can be and what they can be if they apply themselves to it. And yes, that's going to mean sacrifice. So he's going to have to tell them, you're going to have to struggle. You're going to have to practice regularly. You're going to have to watch what you eat so you have a healthy body with healthy muscles. And you're going to have to go to the batting cage repeatedly and, you know, and work on your swing. And he's not doing that to be negative, to put them down, to tell them how horrible they are, but rather to build them up, to say, I want you to be the best you can be, and this is how you can do it. And imagine a young child who's not very good at baseball, who goes to the batting cage day after day after day, and the ball keeps coming, and he just keeps swinging and missing, swinging and missing, swinging and missing, and he gets disappointed because he thinks, will I ever get to this game? But then imagine when, and when the coach tells him what to do, you know, you know, raise your right elbow, change your stance, whatever, and finally the kid hits the ball for the first time. Doesn't he feel good about himself? And when he starts doing it repeatedly, time after time in the batting cage, he's hitting the ball, he's improving, he's becoming a greater baseball player. Doesn't that make him feel good about himself? Much better than if the coach told him, ah, you're just like Aaron Judge, don't worry about it, you don't have to change it all. No, of course not. The child is grateful for the struggle and the challenge that the coach gave him to help him be the best he can be. And that's what God is doing with us. He's challenging us to be the best we can be by rethinking everything we think is of importance and follow him and not the world around us. And when we do that, we will grow in such joy, such happiness, such peace that we will change our lives and change the people around us just by our own joyfulness for living every day in the presence of the Lord. And if we actively try to bring that to other people, what a difference we will make in the world. And if there were enough people doing that, we would make the world a better place. And it wouldn't be the problem that we look and see over and over again as we listen to the news in the world. So the Lord's challenge to us to be holy, as John the Baptist tells us in the gospel reading today, and notice he speaks kind of like a madman, you know, screaming and yelling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, and yelling at the Pharisees and Sadducees because they were not following him and said, you brood of vipers, produce evidence that you want to change. That's what John the Baptist called us to do. That's what Jesus calls us to do day after day. But that call to change is not negative. That call to change is very positive. That's a call from our loving God who says, you're better than the mediocrity. You're better than what the world tries to sell you. I have plans for you that are so greater than anything the world could even possibly imagine. Follow me and I will fill you with a joy, a happiness, a peace you can't even begin to imagine. That seems pretty positive to me. That doesn't seem negative at all. And so, my brothers and sisters, today the Lord reminds us that he is present with us every day. 
in the sacraments, in everything that happens to us. He's always there calling us, challenging us to be the best we can be so that we will know the happiness that only he can bring. Today, on our second Sunday of Advent, let today be the day that we not complain about hearing anybody challenge us and say, oh, I just want to hear sweet nothings at Mass on Sunday, but allow ourselves to be challenged by the Lord to change, to change what we do, to change what we believe, and follow the Lord so that in that change we will find such peace, such happiness. It will make our lives so much better, just like that boy who has practiced and finally can able, be able to hit the ball and, you know, and get hits after hit after hit in his game that he couldn't do before simply because his coach challenged him to be the best he can be. Let us allow the Lord to challenge us and remember that he is with us each and every day, calling us, challenging us to be what he has created us to be so that we will know a joy that nothing in the world can bring and that we can only find by obedience to the loving call of Christ to being perfect as he is perfect in his heavenly father. May Jesus Christ be praised.